Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. In Arizona, we have dedicated billions of dollars to, new, to teachers, or to K-12 education, I should say. But unfortunately, many of that money has not gotten to the classroom. Doing it so that we won't have the disruption that we would have otherwise and the government was shut down and many, many people's lives would be affected, particularly before the holidays. The annual extension of the farm authorizations, a couple of the other things put in there, and poisoned it for me. I'm pleased with the direction ADU is headed in, in administration uh, and management. Uh, going a program this fast is daunting and uh, despite the hiccups and which are expected, we hear uh, positive feedback. Trump still has a commanding lead in the Republican primary with everyone else really battling for second uh, fiddle. When you have state officials printing ballots with taxpayer dollars and it's printing in the name of a constitutionally disqualified candidate, that is state action. And joining me to talk about a pair of new polls looking at next year's election, a plan in the legislature to give teachers a pay raise and more, our former state school superintendent Jaime Molera of Molera Alvarez. Good morning, Jaime. Good morning. And Marilyn Rodriguez of Creaso Partners. Marilyn, welcome to you. Thank you. Good morning. So, Jaime, let me start with you. We just heard from uh, Mike Noble, pollster at the top here, about a new poll that shows former President Trump with a pretty sizable lead uh, in the GOP presidential preference race here in Arizona. We see this in most, if not all, states across the country. But, do, like, does it surprise you that his lead is what it is here? No. I mean, his lead has been there for the last year or so. Um, I know the all the other candidates have been trying to make a run at him. They've been more aggressive this time around than the, than the first time he ran for president. But it just doesn't seem to make a dent. I mean, his control right now of the party is uh, pretty significant. And... I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be coming down to uh, a rematch of uh, Biden and Trump. So you don't think there's any chance, for example, we've seen Nikki Haley in some polls really moving up to a, not necessarily a close second, but like a pretty strong second. You don't expect that to have any kind of impact here? No, because there's still 30 points behind. I mean, I think when you saw her increase, it was after Mike Pence dropped out. And so I think she's picking up some of the the support of those that are just don't want Trump. But but that's a, such a small fraction right now of the Republican Party that I think um, her movement is really based on some of the others dropping out, not really gaining on Trump. Marilyn, would you expect uh, former President Trump to be the GOP winner in Arizona? I don't know why or when we decided to uh, have amnesia about what the Republican Party is today. <laughs> um, maybe it's because it, it makes it interesting to sell papers um, and talk about it on the radio. But it has been clear ever since eight years ago that the Republican Party is the party of Trump. He has a vice grip on this political party. And there, there's no contest. There hasn't been. And I think we are, we are fooling ourselves or we, we are playing a, pretend, a game of pretend to say anything is uh, it, otherwise. It's been very clear to me for years and working with Republicans at every level of government that unless you pay fealty to this man, you are out of this party. So from the Democratic perspective, let's say that you are the Biden campaign, assuming that he will be the nominee uh, from the Democratic Party. Is it helpful to know this far out who your opponent is most likely to be? Mark, I think we are a year out from an election, so it's always really challenging um, to you know look into that um, 
that fortune-telling ball to say anything is for certain, but we've had this contest before. We've seen this matchup. We've seen how it goes. I, I think we should expect similar results. All right, Jaime, we also saw a poll uh, this week on the U.S. Senate race, which kind of tracks some other polls that we've seen recently, uh, looking at a three-way matchup between the incumbent independent uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema, the Republican frontrunner Kerry Lake, the Democratic, the only Democratic, major Democratic candidate in the race of Ruben Gallego. And it basically shows that Senator Sinema continues to take more support away from Kerry Lake than Gallego, which... I don't know. I'm not sure if that's more an indication of how much Republicans are okay with her or or how little Democrats like her. Well, I think unlike Donald Trump, Carrie Lake just doesn't have that same kind of a hold on the base. I think a lot of folks, um, a lot of folks don't, she doesn't come across as as somebody that they want to support. And so that's why her base is a little bit more fractured. Um, But Kirsten, it's interesting. I mean, every poll that I've seen, she's starting to drop and she's starting to become a distant third. Um, I think if she were to not run, um, that does benefit Lake because I think a lot of the Republican uh, women that uh, have a problem with Lake, they might have a hard time transitioning to Gallego because his policies are so far to the left. And also uh, what's troubling for Gallego, and I know talking with some of the, uh, his consultants, they're a little bit worried about Biden's numbers being mm. so low. And Trump being on a head-to-head match, Trump right now is about eight points ahead of Biden. So that's disconcerting to the Democrats. And I think if if it were a three-way race, it certainly helps Rubin. Um, but I think if it turns out to be a head-to-head race, if Cinema just sees the numbers and just and her her ability to raise money, of course, has been very challenging too. So if she were to drop out, I think that would probably be in uh, Congressman Gallego's best interest. Marilyn, is it surprising to you at all that Senator Sinema seems to be taking more support away from the Republicans than from more support from Republicans than Democrats? Mark, um, before I was a lobbyist in the public interest, I was a political scientist and still am. Um, And I know what many of the folks working for Sinema knows, um, which is this uh, theory related to, it's this law related to something called the Verger's Law. And for our Um, folks listening who know about this, um, it's not very complicated. Um, It's it's true. It has been true for the entire history of um, American politics since the beginning of time. And what the law says is in a contest where it's first past the post, right? It's one person wins Mm -hmm. the contest. Um, Candidates from the minor parties um, pull votes away, always pull votes away from the major parties to whom they are closest. And while we have this one poll from, I think, a conservative-leaning pollster um, who shows that perhaps Cinema is taking more um, conservative votes away, I am very skeptical and or encourage people to be very skeptical of that. It wasn't too long ago that U.S. Senator uh, Kirsten Cinema was elected as the Democratic senator. Um, that's how people, normal people on the street, remember her. Everybody talking about the election right now, we're all in our little bubbles we, every election cycle, get those bubbles popped in certain ways. I think this is one that we can see coming. Um, and it's very clear to me at this point that what we're facing is if this, if this contest goes to a three-way race, cinema is throwing the election to Carrie Lake. So She's, you don't buy into sort of what's become the conventional wisdom that cinema in the race helps Gallego. I think the conventional wisdom is created to serve the purposes of the, you know, the people in politics that are spewing it. And right now, 
cinema um, poses to raise a lot of money um, from this. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. This this whole thing is to raise money and toss the election to Lake. And I, I am not surprised that a conservative-leaning think tank is coming out saying that it would, it would somehow benefit Democrats for her to stay in the race. I think that that is absurd. So this is a question I've been asking pretty much every week now for the last I don't even know how long. Marilyn, do you think Senator Sin was going to run? I hope not. How many do you think she's going to run? Well, I'm not a political scientist, but I uh, play one on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that she does believe she's done a good job as senator. I think she does believe that she deserves another term. So, but, but the problem she's having right now is the reality of not being able to raise money. And, and I think that's starting to manifest. And in, in Political did an article about her base, her base uh, supporters aren't just giving money to her. And she's not being able to capture a lot of the Republican money either. Well, and they're giving money to Guy, Ruben Gallego now too. The Democrat base is giving money to Ruben Gallego. That's right. So that's going to be the rub. If she can start to maybe move, do something to get her numbers up. And in my opinion, she would probably have to start now, maybe getting some ads up, reintroducing herself. But she's got to make a gamble. If come February, March, if her numbers aren't there, then I could see her um, maybe taking the hard decision to drop out. So one of the other things we saw this week related to this race is the number three Republican in the U.S. House, Elise Stefanik of New York, endorsed Carrie Lake. This follows some U.S. senators on the Republican side endorsing Carrie Lake. And, you know, talk, you mentioned political. You know, they had an article this week about how she's really trying to take meetings with sort of the, the McCain wing of the Republican Party, trying to maybe mend fences for some of the stuff she said and, and did during the last election. Do you think that's going to work? So I, I think what you're seeing right now is that you're seeing a lot of the Trump MAGA supporters around the country supporting Carrie Lake. But at the same time, even though she's trying to shore up her base, saying that, don't worry, I'm still you know, a hardcore Trump supporter, she's trying to soften her image here in Arizona with the, the McCain base. Um, I'm not so sure how much that will work, uh, especially the, the, when you look at the vitriol she's spewed on John McCain over the last few years. I'm like, I don't think a lot of his supporters will turn around and say, you know what, she's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Marilyn, we've seen, for example, from the state Democratic Party, you know, they send out releases fairly frequently reminding voters of things that Carrie Lake said during her last campaign, said during the past. Do you think that the Gallego campaign should be concerned about maybe more moderate Republicans who could, in theory, support him will maybe say, yeah, maybe Carrie Lake's not so bad after all? No, I'm not worried about that. I think the biggest threat to the Democrats losing the U.S. Senate race is currently Kirsten Cinema. Everybody knows we, we live in an era where Lake has branded herself. This is the woman who donned pearls and heels and vacuumed the red carpet for Donald Trump and will continue to do so. Um, this is the woman who went on KTAR and said that people were having post-birth abortions, which are not a thing, right? She is a lunatic. And people know her to be this. And people also know, anybody listening who supports her knows that they are going to support her. Um, now is the time where voters are starting to get to know Ruben Gallego, Congressman Ruben Gallego. And he's going to be spending the next year um, ensuring that people are aware of who he is. But no, I don't think that Carrie Lake is going to trick anyone into believing that she's anyone other than she, who she is. Despite that, though, do you think that the Gallego campaign should and maybe is and maybe will be reaching out to some of those more moderate McCain-type Republicans to maybe remind them of, of who Kerry Lake is and, and try to get them to support him? 
perhaps, but I think, you know, we all learned important lessons in the Clinton race, for instance, right? We, we saw a presidential election that should have gone one way. Um, and it was based on a campaign that constantly focused on the other party, right? We were constantly hearing about all of the things that Donald Trump has done wrong, right? And we never really heard what she was for, what she was fighting for. And people on the street, regular people who don't sit in radio stations and talk about politics, like want to know, like, what's in it for me? Why do I care? Um, and I think they're going to be more um, compassionate about a candidate. I think they're going to be more passionate about a candidate who talks about the time, right, where he, um, you know, was a hero, right? He, where he took leadership in a moment of crisis when the insurrection was happening and um, used his military training to um, get all of his colleagues to safety. Um, that That's the person that he's going to be introduced. That's the person that is going to be introduced, excuse me, to voters. I think spending any amount of time talking about a person who we already know who she is is, is wasted time with voters. Um, they want to know, you know, who Ruben is. And um, I, I think he's going to spend his time doing that. My guests this week are Marilyn Rodriguez of Creosote Partners and Jaime Molera of Molera Alvarez. So, guys, I want to talk about a, uh, a plan that some Republicans in the state legislature discussed this week to give Arizona teachers a pay raise. We know that there's a retention problem in the state. A lot of classrooms don't have uh, certified mm-hmm. teachers in them. And this plan basically revolves around an extension of Prop 123, which voters barely passed a few years ago to use uh, state trust money to go into schools. Basically, this plan, we don't have a lot of details on it yet, Marilyn, but it seems like the details would envision that most, if not all, of the money would from an extension of this would go to teachers. Is this something that you think Governor Hobbs, legislative Democrats, are going to get behind? So I want to start by saying I think it's irresponsible for any of us to be speculating about a plan that we don't have the details for, right? Um, Peterson and Toma have a lot of questions that they need to answer. The Senate President and House Speaker. Sorry, yes. The Senate President, um, Warren Peterson, and the House Speaker, Ben Toma, have a lot of questions that they need to answer before anyone can say what it is, right? And and yes, we need um, desperately, teachers need to be paid more. We need the raise. Um, but I can also remember very recently a time when these same, uh, the same Republican Party um, said that they were bringing more money uh, in for schools and teachers, and it was just a shell game of moving money around. Um, and so unless they are able to, I'm, I'm going to be watching for a few things, right? And I, I think anybody listening should be watching for these things too. Are they bringing in the Democrats? Are they bringing in teachers? And um, is, is the plan identifying a new money or is it what we have come to expect from these very same actors of just moving money around and saying that they found that they added money to the equation? So is that in terms of what's actually in the plan, is that last part like where the money comes from? Is that sort of the main issue you'll be watching for? Not necessarily where it comes from, but that it is new money. Right. right? It is right. that it is it is not um, just more um, relabeling um, existing funds, existing money and calling it something else. Um, and so I think it's really important for us to be, you know, looking at um, the teachers in our lives, right? And, of course, um, the other political party to ask, what are what are the details that you are seeing? What are, is what they are saying is real? Because we really need it. And it would be really wonderful um, to be looking at next year as a time when we could give teachers a meaningful race. Jaime, what kind of details would you be looking for? Obviously, you know, we don't really know a ton of what this plan would entail, but what, what well, would you be looking for? It, it's, not that, it's not that hard to figure out. I mean, what, what they're doing 
Mark, is when Governor Ducey created this plan, it was to settle a lawsuit with the school districts on uh, not funding a certain amount of money after the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. When those monies were cut, school districts sued and they won. And so what he came up with is a way to accelerate the state trust lands um, and add more of a percentage so that it goes directly to schools and not just the interest earned off of that fund. So what Peterson's proposing, essentially, uh, President Peterson, is that instead of the money going to the districts and it goes for just basically whatever they want to spend money on, they want to target it for teachers. And they're estimating about 7 to 10% increase for teacher pay. The issue is going to be how does that affect that settlement? So if, the, if basically within the state reached that agreement and now they're saying, oh, no, 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 we want you to target it specifically and only for teachers, that's something that I know that they haven't answered yet. And I know a lot of folks are looking at the legal ramifications of it. Could this be a matter of just waiting? Because Prop 123 is, is set to expire in just right. a couple of years. Could it could it be a, the kind of thing where it expires and then is just redone a little bit differently? Well, I, I think President Peterson did a very masterful job and, and, and with Prop 400. Remember the, the, the Maricopa County sales Maricopa tax, the yeah, infrastructure tax. But they changed it in the way that the conservatives felt it was reasonable. And they put a lot of triggers in it. They put a lot of things in it that, that I know the leagues, the cities and towns didn't like, but the conservatives did. Same thing with this particular issue. I think they're trying to structure it in a way that the conservatives can get behind. Now, the interesting part of this is, is that, remember, it's a referral they're talking about. Right. So Governor Hobbs won't be able to veto this. So if the Republicans, and even though they have a one-vote majority in the Senate and only a one-vote majority in the House, if they come together, which I think they will, it really could put the Democrats and particularly Governor Hobbs in the box because if they do fight it, then it's against what the Republicans are saying. We're, we're wanting to fund teacher pay at a time when we have a big teacher shortage. So I think from a political standpoint, it's a fairly good move by them. Well, so, Marilyn, talking about the referral, when Prop 123 was approved initially, it wasn't approved by a very big margin. Um, is there a danger? And, of course, again, we don't know what's going to be in it. We don't know when it would be referred, if it would be 2024 or sometime after. But is there potentially a danger of leaving something like teacher salaries to the whims of the voters? Um, I, I think there's a problem with viewing something as important as like education funding and teacher pay through the lens of political football at the legislature. The legislature is not a place of great ideas at the moment. Um, And while the House and Senate Republican majority may have gotten used to ramming things through um, while calling, you know, saying one thing and doing another, I think assuming that the voters aren't going to see things plainly, um, again, as evidenced by Every past election related to education funding is just we are fooling ourselves. Voters are smart. They understand. They're going to be looking around to see, um, do the Democrats support this? Do the teachers say that it's actually new money? Um, Because they are used to, as any of us are now, um, politicians lying to us. And so I don't think it's as quick and simple as saying it is teacher pay and then putting, you know, the governor and the Democrats on their back foot to say that it isn't. (laughs) I think voters will see that it is politicians, again, lying to them if this is indeed the shell game that I'm hearing it might be. Jaime, one 
issue from education, the education world that we're almost certain to be hearing about next year, as we did this year, is ESAs, basically school vouchers. Mm -hmm. We saw this week the task force that was set up to look at the ESA program, the universal ESA program that was part of the the budget deal struck between legislative Republicans and the governor had its second and presumably final meeting, did not issue any recommendations uh, to deal with the program or adjust or tweak or change evolve the program, any verb you want to use here. Was it surprising to you that basically nothing is coming out of this task force? Unfortunately, no, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, But I do believe at some point the Republican leadership needs to look at how this is implemented and how this might, taxpayers might want to take it away if certain accountability measures and transparency issues aren't taken uh, into consideration. For instance, Right now, anybody that takes an ESA and is homeschooled or goes to private school does not have to show any kind of academic achievement. There's no testing. There's no determination whether or not a student is improving. And that's problematic. I think folks are going to start to see, especially if you have documentation of children that are not learning anything, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem. Another issue is um, it's not just the ESA, but they're given weights if a child is determined to be uh, part of the special education uh, weights. So they get a lot of extra money. So you saw an uptick on parents or people that were taking ESAs uh, getting their kids tested whether or not they're on the spectrum, which got them a lot more money. The problem is we don't know if those dollars are actually being used for the services that that child needs. Um, there's other issues like uh, school safety. Right now, we, I think we have a very good law with charter schools and districts that you have to have anybody that's not associated with a school has to have a, a fingerprint card certification right, yeah. and, and making sure that they're not somebody that we don't want to have around kids. Sure. We don't have that with ESA. So there's a number of things that they can do to really make this better. I'm a big proponent of school choice. I'm a big proponent of give, empowering parents to put them in an education environment that meets their needs. But if these basic transparency accountability issues aren't taken care of, then I think there will be a revolt, maybe not next year, but in a few years – once you start to get these kinds of stories out there, um, that might be really hurtful. Well, in Maryland, this is also happening in the context of the state potentially looking at budget cuts with, with deficits for the rest of this fiscal year and next. Right. This report is the – I'm sorry for laughing. I just have to. Uh, this report is the height of insincerity and willful negligence. Um, I, I tell this joke in private company that I'm about to share with all of you now. Um, it's more of an anecdote because it's, it's, it's a real example of how unaccountable uh, this Republican concoction of ESA's state vouchers is. There is nothing currently stopping me, Marilyn Rodriguez, from opening a school in my home where the whole curriculum is I teach kids to buy gold and bury gold in my backyard. And all I need is a curriculum that supports that. Right. And it'll probably be ABC's one, two, threes about monetary policy and like how to dig a hole. That's ludicrous. That's and I'm not that's that's a joke, but it's a real thing about the lack of accountability for a system for runaway spending and theft of taxpayer dollars that the Republicans have fought for 30 plus years to create. And now (laughs) when it's coming to bear, sorry, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous what they've done Um, now when it's coming to bear that. The Maryland School for Gold in her backyard is is a possibility. They're feigning this. They're pretending to add accountability to a program that they don't actually want to fix. If we can figure out how to go to the moon, we can figure out how to keep me from hiring a bunch of kids to bury gold in my backyard. 
So do you? I, that's a school yeah. I want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't open the school, by the way, please. Not, so. not yet, anyway. So, guys, we have about 30 seconds left. So, very brief answers. Marilyn, do you anticipate that there will be any changes in 2024? Will the legislature do anything to change this program? No, not without being forced to. Jaime, what do you think? I think you're going to see a number of business groups weigh in. And I think some of those things that I talked about, uh, I think, might be on the table. All right. I'll have to leave it there. Jaime Molera, Marilyn Rodriguez, thanks to you both for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you, Mark. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.